Hey, everybody. Rick Klein here. Just a note on how we recorded today's show. John Carl is on his way back from Cleveland, Ohio, from the presidential debate. He's got deadlines to meet and places to be. It's going to sound a little bit different than normal. But with that, today's episode. Hello, and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. Rick, I apologize for the noise. I am on Interstate 76 driving from Cleveland to Washington, D.C. I was at that uh, debate. What what was that thing? Anyway, I was at the Cleveland Clinic uh, with uh, you know Joe Biden and, and Donald Trump were on the stage and they had that thing with Chris Wallace. I was there. I was in the room where it happened. And I am on my way home. So I, I apologize for the extra noise, but, uh, but, but this is on the fly. It is on the fly, and I, I, you know, maybe we, maybe the, the country deserves an apology after that debate. That sucked, John. Let me just say, objectively as a reporter, that's the worst debate I've ever covered, I've ever witnessed. Uh, it, it was, it was disjointed, it was petty. Uh, there was almost not a, a single complete policy thought through a whole ninety minutes. It was an utter, absolute chaotic mess, and uh, I don't know that anyone looks better for the experience. I'm glad it's over. I wish I had been watching the Yankees and the Indians in Cleveland instead. I feel like that might have been a better use of, of my time. But I don't know what was the what was the sense in the room? Could you feel it going off the rails, or you know what, what 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 did you what did you feel in the moment when you see those two guys just clawing at each other and Chris Wallace just doing what he can to hang on for the ride? Frank Luntz was one of the few people in the room, as you know, because of of, of COVID nineteen. This was a surreal experience even before the debate started, because uh, usually there's a buzz of activity, the place is packed with supporters and, you know, donors and uh, family members. This was a very small group uh, that, that, that was in that debate hall. It was an eerie quiet going into it. One of the people that was there, though, and was on the ground in one of those seats watching the debate was Frank Luntz. And I was texting with Frank over the course of the uh, of the, you know, we were both in the room, but he obviously had a different vantage point. I was in the press riser in the back of the room. He was right there amidst the small crowd that, that, that was seated and watching the debate. And he, without even my asking a question at one point, at about a third of the way through, he said the audience is stunned, stunned by what they are watching. Um, this was... An abomination. I agree with everything that you said. It was a horror show. It was not what a presidential debate should be. It was not. But the debates three years ago, we we felt were off the rails, and, and frankly, they were. The personal attacks and all of that. Uh, but this is beyond anything Donald Trump did, did three years ago. And I, I think it's amazing. You know, over the course of the debate, Joe Biden called Donald Trump racist, called him a fool, called him the worst president ever, called him a clown, uh, on and on and on. And he was actually the nice guy. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, uh, you know, Donald Trump came in as, as we talked about in advance of this debate, we knew that he was going to come in hot. We knew that he was going to uh, be on attack. We knew that he's in a place in this race where he is losing. I think we can flatly say that doesn't mean he's going to lose, but he is losing right now. 
Uh, you cannot point to a single one of the top 12 battleground states and, and find me a state where he has had a lead consistently. You can find very few kind of outlier, outlier polls where he's had a lead in a single poll uh, in those battleground states. And obviously he's trailing really badly nationally, worse than he was uh, uh, four years ago. So he's losing. He needed to change the dynamic. He needed to uh, to do something. And I can't... Um, so knowing that, he, I think, saw this debate the same way he saw uh, the Martha Raddatz anderson cooper debate four years ago when his campaign was collapsing. Republicans were calling on him, uh, some to actually step out of the race. And he pulled his campaign back by going incredibly negative on Hillary Clinton. And it worked. And he, so he figured he was going to go back to that playbook. And he went more negative uh, on this one and more out of control uh, than he did four years ago. And I, I mean, I don't know, Rick, can, you, can we point? Is, do you think there's a single voter that wasn't already supporting him uh, who watched that last night and said, you know what? I want four more years of Donald Trump. No, and I, I don't think that's the case. And I think, for, you know, for Joe Biden, expanding his base of support was a, was a difficult task as well. There aren't that many undecided voters out there. I was struck. I mean, look, if you're going to say that Trump got anything out of the debate, he controlled the tempo. Uh, he, he dominated with his kind of, you know, bulldoze through everything style. Uh, any attempt that, that Biden had to try to elevate it. Take a listen. This is just a, a little example of the of the, the insane crosstalk that we heard. And in this case, at least, Joe Biden uh, lost his temper for a moment. Vote now. Are you pack the Make court? sure you, in fact, let people know he doesn't want you're to a senator. The I'm not going to answer the question Why because, you answer that because question? the you question want to put is a lot of the new question Supreme is Justice, the radical question, left. Will you who shut is up, your, man. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? This Who's is on your so list? right, gentlemen. This is, I think this we've is ended so this. He's going to pack the court. We have end, oh, no, no, not give a list. We have ended this segment. We're going to move on to the second segment. That was really a productive segment, wasn't it? John, that wasn't a supercut. That that was actually live how it played out. And good luck trying to make heads or tails of it. And and ultimately, you know, Joe Biden um, asked the president himself to shut up. He called him a clown a couple of times. It it, it rattled Joe Biden. He was off of the game that he went in with. Uh, and you know, Donald Trump, I think, deserves most of the blame slash credit, whatever, what have you, for for turning that debate into what it was. But. Biden went there with them at times, and, and I, I will take some flack over it. You know, it's not there's no equivalency here, but Joe Biden uh, didn't have a great debate himself, uh, and, and I don't think anyone looks looks bigger or better for that exchange. Well, one thing that I was hearing from Republicans, including Republicans very close to Donald Trump last night, even as the debate was still ongoing and, and after, was frustration that uh, Trump could not allow Joe Biden to to make a mistake because he came to his rescue by going off the, the you know on something else. That exchange is a very good example of that because you know it was actually a good question. Are you where does Joe Biden stand on the question of expanding the Supreme Court? He starts going off into all different directions and where's your list and what's this? But no, let's just focus on that one question and we don't need to be a jerk about it, but just ask it and try to get the answer. Where do you stand? There are a lot of Democratic activists uh, who are making the case, especially if Amy Coney Barrett gets confirmed, that the Supreme Court should be expanded. And, and Biden would suddenly have an extra two, uh, maybe four, depending on how much they expand. Uh, uh, justices he could nominate. Where do you stand on this? And he didn't answer the question. They don't appear to have an answer. But, you know, Donald Trump can't even, like, 
get 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 the moment in. So a lot of the uh, concern that I heard from from Republicans was a little bit different than the concern that I heard um, from you know from from just about everybody else about the bullying and all of that. But it was it was the the failure to be coherent and coherently make the case against Biden or to make the case for what Trump would do in another four years. So uh, I also, I, I, you know, probably the exchange that got the most attention. I want to go into this. I got a slightly different angle on this than, than what we've heard, but but I want to I want to first play the exchange so we know what we're talking about. Go ahead, Trevor. You have repeatedly we- criticized the the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing extremist groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, you look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white supremacists and white supremacists. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing own, problem. This is, this is a left-wing. This is a left-wing Wow. So, look, he said he was willing to condemn white supremacists, but he didn't do it. And then there was that really odd phrase, stand back and stand by about the Proud Boys. Now, the Proud Boys are, I mean, there's no other way to call them. They're, they're, they're a virulent, racist group uh, that has been tied to violence that we have seen on the, on the streets over the past year. Uh, they call themselves white chauvinists. Um, th- these, are, these are bad people. These are racist. There's no other way to look at it. And he not only doesn't condemn them, he doesn't even criticize them. The, the thing I, I wanted to point out was I, I had this feeling of deja vu as I was watching that play out in the hall and watching him just so so reluctant to, uh, to condemn a group that is clearly condemnable. <laughs> it, it reminded me, 2016, David Duke endorsed his campaign and there was crickets, nothing out of Trump about it. No, you know, we don't want that guy's endorsement to hell with him. Nothing. Two days later, he's at a press conference. I was there. It was in Texas. It was actually a really memorable press conference for another reason, because it was the day that he got the surprise endorsement from Chris Christie. And he's asked about, finally, two days later, he's asked about the David Duke endorsement. Listen to what he answered. I didn't even know he endorsed me. David Duke endorsed me? Okay. All right. I disavow, okay? <laughs> I disavow, okay? It's like he's he's offended just to, I mean, what, I mean, what, I mean, it's, first of all, that didn't really sound like a disavow, but he did say the word I disavow, so I guess he was better four years ago than what we saw here because he didn't actually go that far, but it's, but like, this is like what he did last night. It's like, what's the word? What's the word? 
I mean, it's like it doesn't understand why this needs to be condemned. Well, and I think I think it got at you know, and Chris Wallace knew it when he asked the question, and Joe Biden knew it as he posed it. This president has not wanted to condemn people that are supportive of him, whatever their whatever their their political leanings, their ideology, no matter how atrocious, contemptible their views. And look, we've seen a chorus of, of Republicans queuing on, yeah, we, and we've seen we've seen you know, Senator Tim Scott came out today and said, you know, I. I if he misspoke, then then he should he should clean it up. That's his assumption. If he doesn't miss, if he didn't misspeak, then he won't clean it up. And kind of leaving it there. But uh, it has been to the consternation of many Republicans who think it should be an easy question to answer. It hasn't been. Uh, Trump supporters have been out saying, you know, maybe the response was misunderstood. You heard it right there. They had the opportunity, and we do know that the Proud Boys have, have viewed this as a as a badge of honor. They've quickly turned this into merchandising, into a rallying cry. Uh, the, the words now of the president um, being used to, to, to prop up their, their ideology and, and being used to, to get them just a little bit more organized. And what exactly he was talking about, it's hard to say. What are they standing up and sta- or standing back and standing by for? Uh, you know, he did a little bit later in the, in, in the debate, you know, talk about the need to have uh, election observers, people at polling places. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, if that was viewed in that context or was there something else that they'd be standing, yeah. standing back and standing by? It's, it's, by the way, we're going to be talking on the podcast just in a few minutes with two of the president's most fervent and undying and totally loyal uh, supporters. We'll be talking to Corey Lewandowski and David Bossy, and we will try to get some clarity from them as to what the heck the president meant by that. Um, you know, we, this is this is uh, you know somebody that we we had, we had books, uh, Corey and uh, and and David Bossy uh, some time ago because they have a new book coming out. Uh, the timing will be interesting. I, I really. I have not heard anything from any Trump surrogate so far that would come even close to a coherent explanation as to what the president meant when he said, stand back and stand by. And John, I think another another moment that I think is worth remembering late in the debate, uh, there was, a I think, a pretty important exchange about the potential for uh, a fraudulent election. Take a listen to this. I'm urging my supporters to go into the polls and watch very carefully because that's what has to happen. And if it's a fair election, I am 100 percent on board. But if I see tens of thousands of ballots being manipulated, I can't go along with that. And I'll tell you what, what from a common sense, it it means you have a fraudulent election. You know, and, and as, as you know, John, the, the president relied on a whole series of misleading statements about uh, mail-in and absentee voting. More than a million Americans have already voted. There is no evidence of, of any widespread voter fraud associated with that. Uh, he's glommed onto a lot of anecdotes. Uh, he's, he's got some concerns. His, the lawyers are, are, are well-armed on this. But that struck me as a, a pretty pretty dangerous implication out of all of this, that, um, that, that, that we will have a fraudulent election and, and, again, raising the possibility of not of not respecting the results of that election. You know, because we've discussed it on the podcast, uh, I think, several times, I don't believe that Donald Trump ultimately would uh, refuse to accept the results of the elections, refuse to leave the White House if he lost. I, I just, I, I don't see it coming to that. But I got to tell you, my belief <laughs> was challenged a bit when I heard that exchange last night. And when I, and frankly, the way the president's been talking, I still don't believe we're going to have a situation where he's going to be like, you know, refusing to leave the White House. But I think it is incredibly telling that he has already essentially declared this a fraudulent election. I mean, he has said it. And, you know, he is saying that because he is looking out and he is seeing that he's losing. 
And I asked somebody very close to the president, who's working with him, spent a lot of time with him over the last uh, several days in preparation for this debate. Um, I asked, does he know that? Because, you know, the president comes out and he talks about how he's doing great, winning in all these places. I said, but does he know? Does he know the truth, which is there is no publicly available data out there that would point to a Trump win. There is nothing that you could point to in anything that is that we can see uh, that, that Trump can win. And by the way, this is not 2016. This is 2020. We have a lot. We have a wealth of of, of high quality polling in the states, which we did not have four years ago. Uh, virtually every news organization that was focused on national polls four years ago, including ABC News, has dedicated resources to high quality polling in places like Michigan and Pennsylvania and Florida and uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, on and on. And there's nothing that you could point to that would say he's winning. So I asked, does Trump know that? And the answer I got is he absolutely knows that. And I think that's what's reflected in these comments. Now, he's also, you know, he, he bluster and bluffing and cliffhangers. This is the way he operates. So I, I you know, will, will he ultimately really pull the trigger and, you know, have some kind of a massive constitutional crisis and refuse to accept certified election results? I mean, yeah. that's what he's saying. We'll, we'll see. But... I still have a hard time envisioning it. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with Corey Lewandowski and Dave Boston. All right, welcome back to Powerhouse Politics. We are joined now by Corey Lewandowski and Dave Bossy, authors of the third joint book together. They have written Trump, America First, The President Succeeds Against All Odds. Thank you for joining us. I, I, I know that you two guys are... I mean, maybe the two most loyal supporters that Donald Trump has. Uh, there's certainly nobody more loyal than you two guys. You have been with him through thick and thin. Corey, you got fired, and the guy loved you even more after you uh, after you got fired. Uh, so it, it, I know that you guys are going to tell me that he did great in the debate. I mean, we could probably dispense with that. I know where you are in that, but I'm hoping you can help clarify a few things that, 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 that we've been talking about that, that frankly have confused me about what happened last night. And the first is, Dave, I'll, I'll go to you first on this. Uh, the, 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 the Proud Boys. Uh, when the president said of the Proud Boys, stand back and stand by, what did that mean? I never heard him use the, those words. Uh, did you, Jonathan? I didn't hear him say that. You didn't hear him say stand back stand by no no right uh, no but he didn't but the words proud boys he never said he never said that okay that i heard maybe i misheard no, no, heard him did he say proud boys because i never heard those words come out of his mouth that's the media once again trying to create an issue where there wasn't anything he was saying to chris wallace he was saying to chris wallace who do you want me to condemn chris hey who do you need me to condemn today because i know we're all about the cancel culture in this world that's what he was saying that's what he was saying. And then he said, hey, when pressed, he said, hey, I'm going to accept the results if it's fair. But if it's not fair, I'm telling my team to pay attention. That's what he was saying. And people want to create something out of it today. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll push back on it. It's not a problem. Okay, uh, Trevor, could you please uh, play so all of us can hear it? Can you play the exchange again so we're clear what we're talking about? 
Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what are you, what are you, you look, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. Do you want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and white supremacists. Proud boys. Proud boys. Stand back and stand by. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left because this is not a right his wing own, problem. This is, this is a left wing. This is a left wing. I mean, Dave. I'm sorry, but he's asked directly about the Proud Boys. He's asked directly about the Proud Boys in that exchange. He is talking. He is talking about the problem in America, John. He's talking about the problem in America. The problem in America is Antifa. The problem in America, and the American people watch your newscast every night of the week, and they see the rioting and the looting and the burning. That isn't the right. That is that. Those aren't conservative Trump supporters doing it at all. And I know the left wants to try to create something here, okay, just like they did with the lie of Charlottesville. But they want to create something that's, it, look, it's not true. And the American people know it. They heard the president in that clip just say, you guys want me to condemn somebody? Give me a name. I'll, I'll, I'll condemn somebody because that's what you people are doing. This is about the left con just absolutely 100% controlling Joe Biden. They're the Democrat voters. These are the Democrat Base, okay, that's who these people are. So why aren't people asking about that as opposed to what the president didn't say, as opposed to what he did? Dave, say? I, I've known you for a long time, okay. So and and, and actually, I mean, if, if we want to get Corey on this next one, but but one more thing here, Dave, with, with you, uh, I mean, you, you just invoked cancel culture. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's what that's what the president was saying. I mean, shouldn't white supremacists be canceled? And, that, and, and the president agreed with that on the first, that was his first answer. Yes, I he do. Didn't, that was his first answer. He didn't do it though. Jonathan. He didn't do it, Dave. I mean, we all- <laughs> He didn't do it to your standard. He did do it. Okay. He did do it. Okay, look, we can go round and round on this. The president does not, in my, this is, I'm not, I don't speak for the president. I can tell you anytime I've ever been around the campaign, him sick in 2016 through today, there is no effort whatsoever. Uh, there's actually condemnation of it. He, the president believes in equality of all people. He wants, but he also wants equality of balance. And that's what they, that's what the, that's what the issue was. That's what they were talking about. Okay. And whether or not, whether or not, and the president reminded everybody because they want to talk about the peaceful transition and will you accept, you know what? No, nobody's focused right now today on Joe Biden and Barack Obama spying on the campaign in 2016 from the Oval Office, that they are the ones that did, that turned on Hurricane. They're the ones that, that participated in a coup against this president. But we're going to talk about a group of people that Corey nor I have anything to do with, and the president doesn't have anything to do with. But we'll, we'll do that. Corey, what did you make of that exchange? I mean, the, the president did use the word proud boys. I think he's clear what he was responding to. But did you, did you agree with, with Senator Scott that the president needs to make that clear today uh, if it wasn't his intention to, uh, to, to, to issue some kind of a rallying cry that he needs to clarify that point? Look, I think we are talking about something where the president was very clear and you played the audio. I'm willing to condone anybody you want. Chris, 
what do you want me to say? I think is his exact words. And maybe we can go back and listen to it again. But yes, he said, Chris Wallace asked the question, are you willing to condone white supremacists? And he says, yes, period. That's the conversation. And then Chris wants him to say something. He says, tell me what you want me to say. Who do you want me to say? He says, white supremacists. Are you willing to condone them? He says, yes. Let's look at the bigger picture here. Let's look at what this debate was supposed to have been about. It was supposed to have been about two individuals who served in senior capacities in the government, one for almost 50 years, one for four years, what they've been able to achieve for the American people, and what our country's going to look like if one of these two men is elected president of the United States in just under five weeks. So look, I know the issue of race is a very important one. But nobody raised the issue that Joe Biden gave the eulogy at the Grand Wizard's funeral less than a decade ago. Nobody raised the issue that Joe Biden said, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. No, the fact is Joe Biden did say that black American male were super predators from the Senate floor. And Chris Wallace never called him out on it. When Donald Trump said you did that, he said it's not true. And Chris Wallace gave him a pass. Moreover, Joe Biden is the one who called an African-American Reporter, he said, what are you on crack? Because they asked him a question. So those aren't faux pas. And if we're going to hold the president to the accountability of the issues that you want to talk about at race, then let's put it in the totality of Joe Biden's 30 years of cavorting with James Voice of the White South Eastland and giving the eulogy at the Grand Wizard's funeral. That's what we're talking about here. Yes. Joe Biden was the sitting vice president. And just because Bobby Byrd said, I'm sorry for recruiting 200 white men to come and kill blacks in West Virginia, doesn't give him a pass. Lay of the land right now. You saw what President Trump did four years ago. Uh, I don't know if you'll concede the point or not. John and I discussed it. This is a more dire political situation, it would appear to us, based on the the state and national polling than four years ago. What, what do you, what you guys are laughing, but I'll, I'll ask you, what's the view yeah, from Trump yeah, land? We are. The, no, That's the view right. from Trump land. How does the president win? What states does he win? What does the coalition look like to recreate a victory in 2016? Is it just the same map or walk us through it. Where, where does he win that he's right now losing in public? Okay. Polling? First of all, the ABC polling that's been going out since that's the newest stuff, the the methodology for that is literally garbage, okay? So just so we're clear that uh, the polling isn't any good, coming out of anywhere, out of any network. You know the president praised our polls when they had good numbers for him in Florida and Arizona two weeks ago. <laughs> he did. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I, 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 I must have missed it. Hey, hey, good. We'll take it when, when, when we can get it, I guess. But I can tell you right now that our polling has us in a dogfight in every state we need to win. Uh, we, we, we don't expend a lot of worry and time over the Californias and New Yorks and Illinois of the world. Um, we do have a path to 270, which is what we did in 2016. And the path to 270 is very clear, crystal clear for us. We have to win everywhere that we won, nor that normal Republican candidates win. We don't have to go through all of those states, but the Texases and Oklahomas and, uh, and, and the like, and we're going to do that. That's not an issue. We're going to win Florida and Georgia and North Carolina and Arizona. Those are the four that the Democrats mistakenly think that they're in play. We, we, we know we are in very good shape in those states and we're going to win those states. And then it comes down to getting over the threshold because by winning those, we, we're really close. And then we just have to win one 
of Pennsylvania or Michigan or Wisconsin or Minnesota. And Minnesota is now on the map for us. So we, we don't have to win all four. We won three out of the four last time. We don't have to win three out of four. We just have to win one. Uh, in Nevada and New Hampshire, which is another opportunity for us, are both uh, battlegrounds. We only won. Uh, we only lost uh, New Hampshire by 2,700 votes. And the rules have changed. So they can't wake up in Massachusetts and think they're a New Hampshire resident on Election Day this year like they did last year. So there's no opportunity to do that. And and in Nevada, we're in a dogfight there, too. And we lost by 27,000 votes. That's not a lot in in a state as big as Nevada. So we're going to we're going to be in the hunt in all of these states. Uh, And our path to victory today, guys, is as good or better than it was in 2016. And all of the geniuses, every single one of them, said this on the this day in 2016, we had no chance against Hillary Clinton. We were going to lose. There was no opportunity for us to win. And it, on the day after the first debate with Hillary Clinton at Hofstra, the sky was falling. Donald Trump lost. Donald Trump is counted out. Hillary Clinton wins. I've seen this play before, guys. Okay, so um, first of all, I just want to clear up what Corey was talking about. Listeners might be confused about about uh, Joe Biden speaking at the Grand Wizard's funeral. Uh, he's referring to Senator Robert Byrd, the former Majority Leader of the United States Senate, uh, who, uh, as, 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 a, as a young man, was involved in the KKK and renounced the KKK uh, afterwards. I mean, we can get into a debate of that, but he, it wasn't like he went to the guy that was running the KKK's funeral. It was Robert Byrd, Senator Robert Byrd, you know. Okay, okay. Just, just, well, thanks, just, thanks, thanks for helping the guy out there, Jonathan. I didn't say he was okay. I just want to be clear who you were talking about. No, no, no. You you're, you sound like his PR agent. Uh, he's no longer alive, so he doesn't have a PR agent. I'm not his PR agent. But um, I just wanted to be clear. He was a little different. But, but Jonathan, just to be clear, yeah. I think his title technically, if we're going to get into the Robert Byrd world, was the exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan. Just to be crystal clear. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate the clarification, uh, uh, Corey. But 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 as you know, the issue is this is somebody who is completely uh, who, who has been so reluctant to condemn white supremacists. He is somebody who seems to have this infatuation with the Confederate flag. He is somebody who has had uh, in one of the least diverse administrations that we have seen in ages. Just look at his look at his West Wing staff. Look at his cabinet. Uh, so look. We, 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 we could debate Donald Trump on race another time. The, the last question I want to leave you guys, I want to get from you guys, is is fast forwarding to the election. Now, you guys have made the case that you believe he is going to defy the odds again. He's going to win what I would argue might be the second most improbable victory uh, in the history of American politics, given that he's already gotten the first most improbable victory. Hey, could happen. Totally understand that. Everybody was wrong last time. He could pull out it. He could pull it out again this time. There's no question about that. But my question to you is, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do it, you guys know Trump. You guys have been with Trump in his darkest moments and his and his and his highest points, his biggest victories. If he doesn't make it, if he loses, if he's a certified loser in this race, does he concede? Bossy, go ahead. I would pose the same question to Joe Biden. Um, and, and okay, but I, I, I will. I will. I promise you. But I'm asking, I'm asking you about Trump. I, I got it. I understand what you're doing, Jonathan, and I get it. But, you know, they said the same. I just want to pose this to you because you 
and everyone in the media posed this same exact question in 2016. You said everyone was saying Donald Trump, because Hillary Clinton was saying it, it became the mantra of the media. Donald Trump is not going to accept the results of the election. And four years later, no one talks about the fact that Hillary Clinton still hasn't accepted the results of the election. And yesterday it came out that she's the one who led the soft coup run by Obama and Biden. So I get that people want to put people in a box and answer a question. It's going to depend on the security of this election. The one thing that America has always had, the one thing, regardless of the the, the vitriol, regardless of the tough election battles that go on, we've had a lot of them in this country, is the integrity of the vote. And we've never had a question about that. But, but the Democrats are so desperate to beat this man. They are so hate-filled and so anger-filled that he won four years ago legitimately that they are changing the rules as we go. They are changing the rules while people are voting. And so it is irresponsible. It is the, 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 our, our elections are not built for this. I'm not saying that, that we won't be in a place in, in several years from now that we can have a bigger mail-in ballot. That may be something we can go to. But we certainly don't have the policies and procedures and security in place in this election to be able to do it. So that's what our position is. And if this is a, if this is a secure ballot and President Trump wins, I hope that Donald, that, that Joe Biden will concede. And I would say the same for the president. If, if this is a secure ballot and the election is, is certified, that, that the president will. So that's, that's just the way it's done in America. I'm concerned about what the media and the Democrats are making out of this mail-in ballot catastrophe that we are about to, to bestow upon America. And I got to tell you, once it happens, I don't know how you put the toothpaste back in the tube if our election integrity is called into question. Okay, so uh, that's all the time we have. I appreciate the time for both of you. Uh, as I said at the top, I don't think Trump has two more loyal uh, supporters. I think you have proven that. The book again, Corey Lewandowski, Dave Bossy, Trump, America First, The President Succeeds Against All Odds. And I want to close and give you guys full disclosure on something. Full disclosure. Friends of the podcast, listeners of the podcast know that I have consistently said that I believe that if Donald Trump loses, that he will concede, that he would not push to a constitutional crisis. So that is what I have said. I'm glad, uh, uh, Dave Bossy, uh, that you agree with me on that. And Lord knows, uh, you know, the transfer of power, peaceful transfer of power, has been the crown jewel of American democracy for almost two and a half centuries. It, uh, it must continue to be so. Thank you both uh, for joining us. Appreciate you sharing uh, some time with us. That is all the time we have for Powerhouse Politics. Uh, Trevor Hastings, Avery Miller, thank you to our team. And for Rick Klein, <laughs> we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. 